Welcome to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now here's a message from one of the pastors here at the Rock. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Richard here. I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. In case you don't know, my name's Richard. Like I said, I'm the youth pastor. been around here for, uh, gosh, since I was 14, and I'm really excited to be able to get into the Word with you guys tonight. I believe that God has something that He wants to speak to you. It's no chance you're here. It's not a mistake or an accident that you've opened this up, that you've been invited, or you saw the little notification pop up. So uh, let's do this. Since we're all here together, let's go ahead and jump in, and let's pray before we get into the Word. So... Father God, we thank you for this wonderful moment we have here this evening, this morning, or wherever our viewers have a chance to be able to see this. And Lord, we thank you because you have a plan and a purpose. God, the person listening to this, the people in the chat room right now, God, they were born on purpose and with a purpose. So today, God, I would pray that as we think about you and as we talk about your word, that you would make it known to us, each and every one of us, what that purpose is and what you intend to do to pull it out of us. So today, God, we're open. Today, God, we are available. Today, God, our ears are listening because we know you're speaking. So Lord, use this time, use this moment, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, that you would grab our attention and you would move us to the place you need us to be to do the things you've built us to do. So God, we give you this place. We give you this moment. Speak to us like you never have before. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Hey, well, today I want to go ahead and jump into this. Today I want to talk to you guys about returning to build a house. Now, I know that seems kind of strange, but um, I mean, if you really look at the world we're in right now, everything um, is a little upside down, which, you know, I guess that's par for the course for being alive, right? Uh, it seems like there's always something. But for whatever reason, um, you know, 2020 kind of tur turned uh, the crazy mode up to 11. I don't know if that's you, but you're welcome to say amen in the chat because 2020 was a bit of a surprise, to me at least, I don't know about you. Uh, but when we really look at what's going on, here's where we're at. It's a matter of perspective. Things have been wild and crazy. Maybe you've been cooped up in the house. Maybe you've been one of those people sneaking out and uh, you know, getting your stuff done. Maybe you're sick of it. Maybe you love it. Maybe it's been chaos or maybe it's been the greatest coronation you've ever had. Wherever you land in this, here's what's set before us is a blank slate. You see, the world has been put on this frantic pause and uh, wherever you stand, Things are beginning to change, at least in the, in, in the community we're in. Churches are beginning to open. Businesses are beginning to open. You know, things are beginning to, to, to kind of start to get to where they used to be. I, I mean, the, 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 the phrase that we're all sick and tired of is the new normal, right? I mean, I don't even know if we like the old normal, and now we got to get a brand new normal? I, that, that's, that's the phrase that people have been talking about lately. And when we really look at it, this is the moment God's placed us in, is a moment to have a blank slate. You see, if you don't give this moment a purpose, the world or the enemy will. See, there's no such thing as a moment, a person, a place, a situation that's void of purpose. Because purpose will always be required in a moment, a place, a situation, a resource. It needs a purpose. And today, as the church, me and you, as people that love Jesus, if we don't give it a purpose, somebody or something will swoop in and give it a purpose for us. And I don't know if we're going to like what's handed to us. So today we have this moment to rebuild 
a house, a way of living, a, 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 a method of thinking. You know, today, when we look at our church, this is the house of God. When you look at your heart, your heart is the temple of God. And today we have this moment to say, God, you have put these things on pause. You have worked in this mess. And today, God, I want to step into this new season that you're providing us with a purpose that's blessed. So if that's not where you were, it's where we all need to be. You know, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, it talks about this house. It says, do you not know that we're the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in us? You see, that, 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 that says two things. My heart is God's house, and I'm building that. And over the past two months, you know, there's no need to feel guilty. Maybe if you feel like you wasted it, maybe you feel like all it was was you and your family fighting, or maybe it was you worrying about finances, maybe it was you having bad circumstances. Well, today, right now, I want you to know that wherever you've been these past couple months, you're in a rebuilding phase right now. That's cool. That's great. The slate's clean, and you get a chance to step forward because God's great at second chances. And also, that verse in 1 Corinthians tells us this, that you is not just me, but it's us. The church is open. I mean, truthfully, it's never been closed, but the gathering together has returned and together, me and you, we together are the house of God. Our community, our gathering, our worship together, our listening to the word together, our encouragement together, we, me and you, are each a stone that builds up God's house. So we get the chance to rebuild God's house. I mean, think about it. We get to step away from all these things. And if there was ever a time for the church to have a moment, I believe the year 2020 is it. You know, you, maybe you feel like 2020 is not my year. You're thinking, my goodness, you know, whether it's disease, whether, it, whether it's, you know, racial tensions now, maybe you're thinking murder hornets. I mean, for goodness sakes, social media is trying to steal strawberries from me. I mean, they're telling me that there's bugs in my strawberries. I love strawberries. What more is there out there to cause trouble and strife in 2020? But here's the thing we need to recognize. The church was designed to be built at the very forefront of the gates of hell. To be the church is not to be on vacation. It's not to have magic fairy dewdrops give us whatever it is we pray for. To be called to be the church is to be called to say, God, here I am, willing to be put in the middle of the mess to create something that begins to look like heaven on earth. I mean, think about it. What did Jesus pray? He said, let your kingdom come, Father. Right? Your kingdom come. And he said, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus taught us to pray. If that's how he taught us to pray, that's what he expects us to live. So today, if this year is an absolute mess so far, that's perfect because it's the moment that God's created the church for. It's the moment that God put us right here at the gates of hell so it shall not prevail. You see, the way that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven is when the church rises up and says, this is our role in society. Our role in society is to begin to put it back together the way God designed it in the first place. See, this is our moment. And it reminds me of this, of, this, of this moment in the Bible, in history, 500 years before Jesus stepped on earth. There was this moment that God was doing something in his people. And it was a situation very similar to what we're stepping into right now. You know, uh, chances are, if you're watching this when it's broadcasting, then this is Pentecost Sunday. 
That means that, that this is the rebirth of the church. It was the moment where the Holy Spirit fell and he overflowed the room and God's believers, they, they stepped out of their own little personal quarantine in the upper room and they spilled out into the world. It was the birth of the church. Well, 500 years before that, there was another birth of God's house. And it was the moment where God's people stepped out of a quarantine. They stepped out of an exile. They stepped out of a really difficult period of time where they were far away from where they belonged. It's this moment in the Bible um, that has to do with these books. The books of Ezra, Nehemiah, the book of Esther. It's the book of Haggai and Zechariah. Some of these books that maybe you kind of skip over when you read the Bible. But it, 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 today I want, I want to talk to you about the big picture within them. Because if I and we are the house of God, if God's calling us out of the past 60 days, two months, into a new place to rebuild something brand new, then we have to recognize what does it take to rebuild a brand new life? How, does it, how, how do we go from chaos to a place of beauty? How do we, wherever we put our foot, be like Abraham, where we say, this is God's place. This is God's land. God's presence goes with me wherever I go. Because that's what God's called us to do in our families, in our relationships, you know, in, in our world, in the society that we're in, in the mess. God's called us to do something about all this stuff we see. And it begins with our heart and our community as we build the house of God. See, today, I want to I run you through this story, this big idea of the return from the exile. Now don't, now don't turn off just yet. Don't turn off just yet. Uh, because, because the situation this community, God's people went through in this moment is really similar to where we're at. Let me paint the picture for you. Here it, here it is in, in this return is God's people in Judah, this country of Judah. The Babylonians come in and in just a couple of waves, they begin to wipe out the city. They burn everything down. They begin to kidnap men, women, and children, the best and the brightest of the city of the country. They put them in chains and they take them away to Babylon. Babylon begins to fade away and a new king comes into town and it becomes Persia. And there God's people are. God says, there I want you to build gardens, make houses and prosper. And guess what? In the middle of this difficult situation, away from home, away from their comfort, God begins to bless them in the middle of this mess. So much so that they begin to get really comfortable. They find a new way of living. And then the unexpected happens. 70 years later, the king says, go home, get out. I want you to go back and rebuild God's house. It was a miracle. The problem was nobody wanted to leave. They were, they were happy where they were at. They had built a new life. They didn't want a new normal. They wanted things to either stay the way they were or they, or, they, or they wanted to be able to go back to the way things used to be, which wasn't there anymore. But eventually God's leaders picked up and they encouraged people to go with them. And they went back to their hometown of Jerusalem. And as they walked in, everything was a mess. The buildings were a mess. The temple had been torn down building uh, brick by brick. The building had been collapsed. And it was just a pile of rubbish. But they had this chance in the middle of all that mess, to rebuild a brand new life. They had a chance to start from scratch. Let me tell you this, wherever you're at, 
remind, remember, remind yourself, remember this, is that God's the God of the second chance and there's always a new moment to redefine who God's called you to be. You see, he's placed something in you and no matter what your mistake was this morning, yesterday, or over the past two months, there's a moment that God wants to, God wants to take all the mess and he wants to take the rubble, he wants to take the pile before you and he wants to rebuild something new. He wants to rebuild a new house in your heart and through the community. So what did it take to rebuild? God's people, a couple special ones, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Haggai, Zechariah, these guys began to get to work and they worked with God's people. And if you look at these stories over these books, then you begin to find there was a couple things that really stood out. A couple things that really stood out that helped them rebuild this house, rebuild their lives, and it helped them to rebuild the idea of who God was on the inside of them. Let me read it to you here in the book of Ezra chapter three. It says, now, it says here in, in Ezra 1, 2, and 3, it says that they came, into the, they came into the house. They came into the city and they began to get to work. They found the place where the temple, the house of God used to be. And well, they started phase one of the building program. They began to build a brand new foundation. And as soon as that foundation was ready, that first step, phase one of the building program, the people began to throw a party. And all the people gathered around this foundation and they looked at it. It says in Ezra 3, 11, it says, as they looked at it, it says they sang, they sang with great response. They were praising and they were giving thanks to the Lord. They said, we, we did it. We made it through the first leg of this rebuilding. They sang this song for he is good. His mercy endures forever towards Israel. You see, it wasn't done, but they were singing in faith. See, they saw the foundation. They saw the foundation with their eyes, but in their heart, they saw the whole building and they knew that God's faithfulness would see them through. Now it continues, it said, now all the people shouted with a great shout. They praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and the Levites, the leaders, the heads of the father's houses, the old men who had seen the first temple, they began to weep with a loud voice when the foundation of the temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted for joy. You have these is these two ranges of emotions. Some people when they had rolled back in, they had flashbacks to maybe when they were children and they saw the temple before it was burned and they knew how beautiful it was and how here they were, old and gray. They, had, they knew what the temple used to look like and now they came in and they just said to themselves, this isn't what it used to be. It's not like I pictured it. But on the other hand, the younger folks, they saw it and they were so excited. They said, this is what, this is what God wants to do, a new thing. So the, it said this, many shouted aloud for joy, verse 13, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout and the sound was heard from far off. It continues in chapter four and says, now when the adversaries, when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin, God's people heard that the descendants of the captivity were building the temple of God of Israel, they begin to get upset. And it says in verse four, it says, the people of the land, the enemy, the adversary came in and began to try to discourage the people of Judah. It says they troubled them with building. You see right here in these verses, we begin to see the principles of what God wants to do in your life right now as you begin to step into this I'm not going to say new normal. I'm going to say better than normal. As you begin to step into this new blank slate, as you begin to say, what is my job going to look like? What is my family? What is my education? What is my future going to look like? What's church and my faith going to look like as I step out of this quarantine? 
and into this new phase of life, out of the old season, into the new one, what does it look like? Wrapped up inside of these verses are a couple of themes you can see that God did as he rebuilt this city, as he rebuilt his people. You see, what this went from is God redefined the way they viewed him. See, faith became an everyday action. You, today, me, today, we need to make this an everyday action. You see, before, I don't know if this is where you were at, but I know it was, it, it, it's a way of thinking, is that my faith belongs on Sunday. Once a week, maybe twice a month. And we had begun to take things for granted. I, at least I know it was, a, it, was a, it, it was an issue in my heart at times that my faith belonged on Sunday or when I can squeeze it in. And complacency can do that. But here God provides us this shakeup. Here in this moment of rebuilding, there's a shakeup. And this became something that they lived every day. I love what Pastor Joe said last week when he talked about, uh, when, he, when, he, when he talked in his message about how it's something that God wants to do when you wake up and go to sleep, when you leave the house and when you're in the house, we, when you're eating your food, when you're with your kids, when you're on a walk. See, that's what faith meant to be, is meant to be. Your faith is meant to be something that's a, the deepest part of who you are. That's what a relationship is supposed to be with you and Jesus, right? What did Jesus say? He said, the most important thing you can do is love God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, spirit, strength, everything. And our faith here, when we're rebuilding a life, when we start with a blank slate, it can't be, I can't wait for next Sunday. See, a lot of times we have this idea is I run down throughout the entire week and then there I go, I come dragging into church to get refilled again. And that's a great idea because it's true. But what would happen is if our faith, what would happen if our faith was something we did every day? That at the end of the day, when I was empty, I went to the Lord before I went to bed and he filled me up. And then I woke up in the morning filled to pour myself out again. And what if, what if there was a group of people that loved Jesus who walked into the building filled up, not just ready to get, but what would happen if there was a church that they came to church ready to give? What would happen if a church came in excited and passionate, not just dragging down, not just waiting for the next fill up, but they came ready, all in, ready to pour their life, their heart, their passion, their worship out. Because if we begin to live faith, a faith that's an everyday, every moment thing. You see, when you look at Ezra, what did he do? This man, Ezra, this, this leader who was helping these people rebuild the city. In Ezra 7.10, you look, at his, you look at his life and it says, Ezra had set his heart to study the law of God, to do it and not only just do it and know it, but to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. See, this man was a discipler. This man lived his life every day saying, how can I pour myself out and be filled up again? It wasn't something he waited for the Sabbath or for Sunday, but it was a way of life. It was an everyday action. Ezra's friend Nehemiah says it this way. It says, now Nehemiah the governor and Ezra the priest and scribe and all the Levites, the leaders who were interpreting for the people at this party says, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. For today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. You see, Ezra and Nehemiah were in this moment beyond the foundation. They had seen the temple get finished, the house of God get finished, be rebuilt. 
And it was that moment they said, guys, look, this is the moment where we get to celebrate. Don't be sad. The people had been weeping because they were hearing the words of God. It was challenging them on a daily basis. And Nehemiah continued and said, go, go and celebrate with a feast of rich food, sweet drinks, share gifts of food. He said, have the biggest barbecue and party you could think of. See, God wasn't stuck in a ritual or a day. God was so big in their lives, he became a part of the way they partied. God became a part of the way they celebrated, the way they hung out with their friends. Church folk like to call that fellowship. And it says, don't be dejected, don't be sad, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. It goes on and says that the people were excited because they understood God's word. It was more than just a consumer piece but it was something that they stepped forward and said, this is the way I do my life. It's what I eat, breathe, drink. It's what I sleep. It's what I wake up to. It's a little bit of everything. You see, for them to rebuild their life with this blank slate, it had to become an everyday thing. It had to be a little bit of everything. And that's what happens. When your life centers around Jesus, then every good thing you do orbits around him. That was a large part of the way that God wanted them to rebuild their lives. Another one's a tricky one, because this isn't easy. Maybe you saw it uh, when we were reading in Ezra 3. They had laid the foundation. And it's a really strange verse. I know when I first read it years and years ago, uh, it kind of haunted me, because I was like, oh, this is weird. I, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. And there was this verse where you had these two groups of people, the young and the old, you know, you, you had these two groups of people and there they were looking at the foundation. The first phase of the building program set up in Ezra 3. And uh, they were looking at it and there was two different responses. You had one whole group of people and it says they were celebrating and they had joy. But you had this other group of people and they had this moment of sadness. But if you drill down and you begin to look at what was going on, you find this word, tension not in there like the word tension but the principle is you see we have to learn how to do both and this is where as we step into this new world we need to create space for different people coming from different places and if we as a church can't learn to do both then we're going to lose some imagine it this way let me, let me put it this way okay imagine a suspension bridge right and a suspension bridge works in a specific kind of way. And the only way a suspension bridge, bridge can work is if there's tension, right? If you only have support on one end, well, you can't cross. And if you think, well, I like the other end better. If you don't have, if you don't have support on the other end, a tension from the other end, well, then you can't cross. The bridge is unsupported. Now, maybe we're more of a non-conflict type of person. We think, well, I'll try to hold both of them, but loosely, because I don't want to cause trouble. Well, it's possible to cross the bridge, but it's not stable. The only way to create a stable bridge, a stable way to get across a divide, two opposing ideas, is to hold them in tension. And the greater the tension, the more stable the bridge is. Now, not too much, then you snap it, but not too little, because then it becomes dangerous. But when you find the right point of tension, then you have a stability 
to be able to cross a chasm, a divide. And you see in that verse in Ezra 3, you find these two things happening, joy and sadness. And there's a tendency for us as people to want everybody to think the way we do, right? Let's be honest now, right? You know everybody else is wrong and you're right. If you have social media, you know how it works, right? And that's where we land. But the problem is that it's not the way the world works. It's not the way God designed it. And it's not the way we rebuild a house. Where Abraham Lincoln said, a house divided can't stand. Oh wait, he got that from the Bible. Anyway, here we are. In this moment of Ezra 3, you see this tension of two ways of living. Now, here's, here's the crazy part. When you look at Ezra 3, it says this. Ezra 3, it says in verse 12, many of the priests and Levites, the heads of the father's houses, the old men who had seen the first temple, they began to weep with a loud voice when the foundation of the temple was laid before their eyes. Yet, many shouted for joy. We see the tension. So that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a great shout and the sound was heard far off. What does that mean? Here's what I see in this verse. Here's what I think the Spirit of God is speaking to us today. Is that as we step into this new, better than normal, you're going to have people that are coming from a lot of different angles. Masks, no masks, stay home, get out. We're coming into a place where there's conflict. And the tendency is this, is to say, stop it. You're wrong, I'm right. But what, what if there's a tension that says, how do we work together and meet both needs? Here's what I mean. The shout of joy and the shout of mourning in this place were indiscernible and they worked together. And you knew there was two different places people were coming from, but when they spoke together, there was a unity in their difference. And because their unity overcame their differences, that shout was heard from far off. So as we step into whatever this is we're at, if we give each other space and grace, like Jesus has given us, then what can happen is we can do both. We can do both. We can have joy but we can still love and have compassion on those who have sorrow. And those who have sorrow, maybe you're, you're, you're in a place where you're, you're not scared, but you're really cautious and you're kind of wondering about why people would do this this way or that way. What if you gave the other people grace and you recognize that anything we do in faith, God can work with? You see, let's take this, let's take this stay at home thing. If you're staying at home, don't stay at home because you're scared. Stay at home because you have faith. Stay at home because you have the faith that says, I'm going to stay home because I think it's the best way I can love my neighbor. And if you do that in faith, then you win. Because you've invited God into that situation. And what he does inside the house will be better than what he can do in you outside the house. But let's say you say to yourself, I'm not going to be scared. By golly, I'm going to church. I ain't scared of nothing. Cool. Don't go to church. Don't go outside because you're trying to prove a point or defy somebody or something. Go out because you have faith that God wants to do something bigger outside of your house than inside of your house. And if we both do those things in faith, then we have space for each other no matter what we do as believers. Then all of a sudden our shout becomes something 
that's unified. And the people around us see it. And instead of seeing bickering or fighting or disagreement, they see us holding in tension the truth that says, whether I stay in or stay out, whether I go to sleep or wake up, whether I, whether I do this or I do that, I'm this. The Levites quieted the people once it was finally finished. And the Levites, the leaders, they found the people who were weeping. This was about 100 years after this last, this last verse I just read. The Levites quieted the people and they said, be still. Today's holy, don't be grieved. They knew how to read the room. They knew how to encourage when they corrected. They knew how to say, guys, now is the time where we can rise up in unity. The people went their way to eat and drink. They sent portions and they rejoiced because they understood what was said to them. It happens when we learn how to do both. And that's where we need to be. And then we need to choose how to resist. This is what it takes to rebuild a brand new way of living. Whether you're starting a new business, whether you're trying to get the courage to really go all out and head to Costco, whether it's figuring out what you're gonna do with your kids at summer or man, maybe college plans have changed. Maybe, maybe your husband isn't just who you thought he was and you learned a lot over the past two months. You have a blank slate and you have to learn how to resist. This is fight. This is the want to inside of you that pushes you farther than the I don't want to. See, in Ezra 4, the people had rebuilt the foundation. They had the tension and their shout went to the distant lands because they were in unity. But it began to cause a rumble. See, the people were already having a hard time leaving the exile, leaving Persia. So they brought their insecurities with them and began to deal with it. And then when they began to shout, and celebrate. Their enemies woke up and the people from the distant lands came. Ezra 4.4, it says, the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. Every good deed has resistance. And don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when you get frustrated. Don't be surprised when you try something and it doesn't work. Don't be surprised that when you just kind of wonder, man, it was better on the couch eating bonbons, you know? I, there, there's, there's crazy wild big bugs outside and I don't want none of it. Be ready for the resistance because it's our job as believers to resist. And, and, and this, is, this is where the resistance comes in, is God has called us to be different because the only way we can make a difference is if we live differently. If you live the same as everybody else, you're not making any bit of a difference. You're just camouflaging and, and, and just, you're just another part of the wallpaper. The only way to make a difference, to bring heaven on earth, remember that your kingdom would come. The only way to do that is by living a different life. See, that was a challenge for a woman named Esther in the Bible. All these things happened at the same time. So Ezra, Nehemiah, God's people, they left the land of Persia. They left their exile to go build the house. But some people stayed behind. They didn't want to go. And it makes you think, gosh, they really missed it, didn't they? But when you look at the story of Esther, you find that the people that stayed behind didn't miss it because they stayed behind in faith. This woman, Esther, and her uncle Mordecai, they stayed behind in Persia. And because she chose to live a different life, she was in the world, but not of it. 
she was able to stand up and make it possible for the house to get built. You see, right there in the middle of that whole situation, the king decided he wanted to commit genocide. Genocide of all the Jewish people in all his land, including those over in Jerusalem. But Esther learned how to fight. Nehemiah, Ezra, back there in Jerusalem, they learned how to resist the temptation to be the same, to go backwards. They learned how to resist, how to, how to resist being scared and frightened and be like everybody else. You see, Esther stood up and she said, even though I'm in the middle of the world, I'm going to live a life that's different than it. And the way she lived her life, she resisted the temptations. She resisted the, uh, the temptation to just blend into the background and skate on by. She stood up and she wasn't afraid to fight. And because of that, she stopped that genocide, which allowed all the people that had left to rebuild the house. You need to learn how to fight. I, I need to learn how to fight because it's so easy to go with the flow. But the life of a Christian is a life that swims uphill. So today, I wanna to ask you, are you ready to fight? Are you ready to resist? Are you ready to be different? And that doesn't just mean I don't do this and I don't do that, because the greatest difference as a believer we can make is being someone who does instead of doesn't. You can still be a nice person, an unbeliever, and, and, and not have a potty mouth. But it takes a real believer, someone who really loves Jesus, to walk in love, to forgive first, to extend grace and mercy. You see, we need to be people, the way we do life is different than just the things we don't do. When we live life to the fullest, remember what I said earlier, we do faith every day. We're able to hold both things in tension. That when we see believers or people that, that disagree with us, maybe they're at different places in faith with us, maybe, maybe they have different challenges than us, instead of asking them to be more like us, we both choose to be more like Jesus. And then we, we resist that and we push back and we become people, we become people that are fine being strange. We're fine not fitting in. We're absolutely fine sticking out like a sore thumb because that's what Esther did and I'll tell you this it's because she was different that she was able to save all of her countrymen Ezra and Nehemiah when all the people wanted to go back to the way they used to live they chose to be different and they they, they, they called the people around them to rise up and be different just like them it says in Ezra 5 and let's start wrapping this thing up in that time the prophets Haggai and Zechariah Ezra and Nehemiah's friends. The son of Edo, he prophesied, he spoke God's word, he encouraged them, the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem. He prophesied in the name of God of Israel who was over them. And Zerubbabel, yeah, it's a funny name for the king. And Jeshua, the son of Jehozadak, what did they do? They responded to this challenge by rebuilding the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them and they helped them. They all chose Instead of going back to comfort, going back to the way things used to be, they said, we're going to be different. We're going to do and not just don't. And we're going to move forward and live life the way God designed us to. Hey, you got a blank slate. Can you believe it? Tomorrow, joy comes in the morning. Jesus gives you a brand new way of doing something new. The question is today, what are you going to do with your blank slate? Because if you could rebuild and start over, then right now is your moment to rebuild a house. Your heart, your life, your marriage, your friendships, your family, 
your business, your future. Look, right now, you are in the perfect spot and we have no excuses because God is good. And I'll tell you this, if it's impossible, you've stepped into a place where God, is, God has his specialty because God's specialty is doing the impossible. So what are you going to do? We saw this story of these people that had everything taken away from them. And then God allowed them to start brand new. And he didn't just give it back to them. He didn't just, didn't just give them normal or a new normal. He gave them a better than normal. And it was that temple that they built. It looked different, but it's that temple that Jesus walked through. That temple that they built, that foundation that they both rejoiced and wept over was the very one that Jesus walked through and he healed. It was the very one that the disciples came through. They picked up the lame and they began to walk. That temple saw the greatest miracles that creation had ever seen because they started over. Hey, now it's your turn. What are you going to do? Because the excuses are gone. It's only action. And I believe that you can step into a brand new season of life if you'll take heed. Make it an everyday thing. Come on. Be able to work both in the tension because you need to be able to get along with the people God put you in front of. And today, right now, it's going to take a lot of resistance. You fighting to be different. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.